0: Hi and welcome back to the Voice of Healthcare. This is episode 17. Today is Tuesday, December 11th, 2018. Getting closer to the end of the year, it's been a busy year. It's been a fantastic year. I'm joined by Co-host Dr. Matt Cebulski. Matt, say hello.
1: Hello, good to be here. I'm excited to speak with you, Bradley, and our special guest today, Carrie.
0: We do have a special guest, and uh, Matt, it's great to be doing another show with you. Um, approaching uh, 20 episodes, uh, it's our 17th. It's been uh, it's been a blast.
1: It's been good. I'm glad we're still uh, you know kicking it and uh, holding hands through the uh, always of voice tech together. <laughs>
0: there you go. We are thrilled to have on the show today, Carrie Liken of Yext. Carrie, say hello.
2: Hi, nice to be here.
0: Carrie, it's great to have you on and we greatly appreciate it. Tell us what Yext is, Y-E-X-T, and tell us what you do for them. Uh, It's a very interesting, it's a fascinating company. It's grown rapidly. Share with us us what you do and what Yext does.
2: Sure, so... I am Yext's head of healthcare, and so what I do at Yext is I manage everything and anything that touches healthcare, so that would mean anything related to product management and development, publisher relationships, app directory partnerships, marketing, and then driving sales, and what Yext is is a cloud-based software platform that. At least in healthcare, we work in other verticals, but I only eat, sleep, breathe. I'm actually married to a doctor as well. So I only think about healthcare. So in healthcare, we do three things. We help drive internal efficiencies by housing data internally within healthcare organizations that could be searched for by uh, internal people as well as external people. So we can take that platform and then connect it via API to pass data back and forth into our platform and out of our platform. And then the other two things that we do is we drive patient acquisition and also increase patient satisfaction because what we house in our platform could be anything from name, address, phone, and whether a provider, for example, where did they go to school? What are they certified in? What are the procedures they perform? And then any physical location data, we send that information out to places like Google, to Vitals, to Apple Maps. And we make sure that anytime somebody needs to manage that internally, they can log into our platform and then hit save and then send that data externally. And the fun thing is that we structure the data in such a way in that we make it voice ready. So we also work with Google Assistant and Siri and Amazon Alexa. So we make sure that the customers we work with are not only putting their data into this cloud-based platform, increasing those efficiencies, but then also getting them ready through structured data for the latest and greatest, both in discovery online, as well as in voice devices.
0: Uh, it was a privilege to get to hear you speak at the Voice of Healthcare Summit over the summer at Harvard Medical School that we did. Uh, you did a phenomenal job. I told your colleagues you did a phenomenal job. Um, it, it, uh, that was my first exposure, I think, to Yext, and um, that's cool to hear all the stuff y'all are doing, and, uh, and we appreciate you being on, so I'm going to start by asking you, so obviously in your role, as you just articulated, you're watching everything that has to do with voice and healthcare. What to you, it's been a busy year, a lot of stuff has happened. Um, What's top of mind for you, as far as the intersection of voice technology and healthcare, what do you see as maybe the singular biggest uh, story, the most impactful development Um, in that space, uh, in your opinion? Share share with us your thoughts on that.
2: That's a really good question. I think what I would consider as, I could think about two things. So the first would be a story that came out earlier this year, and then also what I'm just thinking about in general with respect to what I'm hearing about uh, voice in healthcare. So I'll start with the story. And I think the biggest thing that came out is the Google duplex announcement that, was announced at Google I.O. in May of 2018. So I used to work at Google. I worked there for eight and a half years. I helped start the healthcare team in the Google Boston office. And we used to watch I.O. every year, which is a developer conference. And that's where Google would get developers together and then announce the latest and greatest that developers could then start to develop off of. And the interesting thing that came out with respect to voice was that there was this piece of Google Assistant that was called du- Google Duplex that could actually become an agent on behalf of the person who is asking the questions. So what they showed on stage was the opportunity to book an appointment both at a hairdresser but then also book a reservation. And it was all done through Google Assistant. So you could ask your assistant to book that appointment with the hairdresser and have that booked and scheduled on calendar. Or you could book a reservation and have that scheduled and taken care of. And the person on the other end wouldn't necessarily know that it was a machine that was doing that. The very, very end of that announcement, Sundar Pichai, who is the CEO of Google, said, and what could we do with respect to healthcare? And can you imagine what this would look like when a busy mom needs to schedule an appointment with her child's pediatrician? And I thought to myself, bingo, that is where we need to be going. That is what we need to be trying to figure out. How do we make voice more useful about? So I thought that was really exciting and interesting with respect to where we could go and something that's aspirational. But at the end of it, going to the second piece of what I was speaking to, I really feel like what I'm hearing across the board after visiting with almost 275 health systems over the last two years is that everything with respect to voice comes down to data. So in order to make Google duplex work, for example, you need to have data that underpins it and that data needs to be structured. And you need to be able to surface that data in a way that's understandable and that can be useful. And what I'm seeing in healthcare is that data is the bane of everybody's existence and it lives in so many different places. And so I'm really jazzed and excited about how organizations are starting to think about data. In the last couple of weeks, I've been hearing a lot about data groups being formed within healthcare organizations and analysis of understanding where does our data live and how do we make sure that we can pull it together for maximum usefulness. So I feel like that is where we're going and that is going to set organizations up for success in voice because they'll get their data together and all we need to do is structure it and then all we need to do is then send it to the appropriate devices uh, so that they can answer the right questions for, uh, for the public.
0: I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I, I think that that's, you know, what I think the biggest story is, not necessarily just for healthcare, but as you said, for, for everything. It was so advanced that it spooked a lot of people.
2: It was so uh, spooky. I agree. <laughs> it was really spooky, but I also feel like What about the millennials? I feel as though the millennials probably aren't as spooked about it as some older generations. And as we move into more and more people adopting devices, especially voice, we'll get to that point where it's not spooky anymore, but it definitely spooked me a little bit, I have to admit.
0: Yeah. Well, it was... um, Yeah. And you weren't alone. I mean, a lot of articles were written about it it and it set the project back, honestly. They had to pull it back in and only recently really have they been able to roll it out. So duplex was announced over the summer. I think you mentioned that because of the reaction um, in the discourse, they have only recently been able to roll it out and only to a limited amount of markets. I'm not even sure what markets those are, but um, I remember discussing it on this week in voice and, and making the comment that um, you know, if you, told me for there was a whole discussion about does it matter if you're talking to a computer and then does it matter if you don't know if you're talking to a computer in other words is there this do companies have an ethical obligation to disclose that uh it's a computer that you're talking to and not a human being even if the computer sounds like a human being with the disfluencies yeah. and all that all that stuff Right. And, I, and my answer to that is, heck no. You know, if, if, if you told me that, a, uh, that for the last 10 years of my life, everybody I have talked to at any business I have ever called was a robot or a computer, and I never knew it until two seconds ago, would I care? No, no. Oh
2: would wait, wait,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. I think. You would. <laughs> oh my God! No, I would. That's I pretty would. extreme.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's like no, so, no,
1: like uh, no. Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. What are you no. talking?
0: about? Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm weird. Uh, no, there's no question. I'm weird, but uh, you know, uh, maybe I'm alone. So, Matt, you disagree?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I think as human beings, uh, an, emo- an emotional integration, even with a stranger really is some somewhat of like a sense of identity and grounding. So, yeah, I think I would be really bothered if I didn't and was not aware that I was speaking to robots for like the last decade of my life from phone calls. (laughs) Um, I, I recently read
2: 1984, which I had never read in high school, and it did present some scary perspectives on what's actually going on now. And I think that there is some scary moments to think that, if we found out that we were all talking to machines over the last ten years, or that these machines were talking to us. It would be jarring, but I there are some elements to the fact that if you're just if you're notified beforehand and you can get what you need to get done and have that accomplishment take care of itself, then why not? It just makes things more efficient. But the notification yeah. to me personally is pretty important.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I, I'd probably approach an Android or a robot as being somewhat needless and therefore my communication would be much more direct and, uh, self-serving. There would be a lot less of like mannerism, you know, being mannerly and polite It would just be like, Hey robot, tell me this and that. And the other granted, there is some interesting like philosophy about treating the androids well, in case you're living in a total simulation and you don't want to end up being like, you know, dismissive of your, robotic overlords, so.
2: <laughs> this is scary.
1: <laughs> the
0: other thing you touched on, Carrie, I want to go back to, and it was um, the idea of Duplex helping um, the inefficiencies that we all face in the healthcare market. So, it really resonates with me. I've got to call uh, and set up my annual dermatologist appointment, and I shudder at doing that because it's, first of all, I wish I were talking to robots with them because it would probably make it easier. The second thing is that it's just, they're so busy that it's hard to figure out when, when I can get in there and when it's going to work. And, you know, Google Duplex is just custom made to handle that. And when you think about, you know, um, doctors and appointments and the fact that, you know, doctors have to uh, rush into emergency care and then that sets them back and people are sitting in the waiting room for hours, you know, before they finally get seen and all the all the inefficiencies, you know, that Google Duplex could help. Uh, if it even helps a, improve these efficiencies 10 to 20%, that's, that's a huge difference um, when spanning the entire healthcare market. I think it's exciting. I, I think you're right. Du, Duplex has a lot in store for healthcare. Um, which brings me to my other question for you. Amazon made news by, um, introducing their, um, healthcare venture, uh, that, uh, Bezos and, uh, mm-hmm. Buffett, um, and, uh, and the other guy, uh, Diamond, is that how you pronounce his last name? Mm-hmm. Uh, those three guys, uh, formed and they've been very secretive, but it's clear that Alexa will be involved with that. Of course, like everything. And they're poised to make, uh, some waves with healthcare. Uh, Google with Google duplex, as you've noted, is obviously poised to do that. Um, Samsung just made a lot of waves just a few weeks ago with their Bixby, uh, announcements and showing off what that's capable of and that developer environment that they're cultivating. Um, There's other examples as well. My question for you is, what company, if you had to uh, choose one company and maybe Google will be it for you, maybe not, what company do you think is most poised to shape healthcare um, with voice, but just in general in 2019, which are you most excited about?
2: I think I would, and I'm not going to say this because I worked there, but I'm going to go with Google. And the reason I would go with Google is that I, what I loved about uh, the conference at Harvard, for example, uh, early in the session there, there, were, there was a, a description of the value of Amazon and Amazon Alexa and voice and the value of Google and voice and what they're, what they're both worth. So one is a search and discovery and answers engine and the other, Alexa, is more for product. And I thought a lot about that after the conference and I've been thinking about that quite a bit. And I, the reason I choose Google is that forever, Google has been able to take data from queries which are highly intentional and they're able to pull all of that data together and make assessments make new business ventures, understand where the consumer, the patient, the person, where their heads are. And I don't know the exact number, but I remember when I was at Google, there was some number, like there were 1.5 million queries a day that were new that Google had never seen before, or some crazy number like that. I don't know the exact. And so when I think about where voice could go and which company would maybe have the biggest impact in 2019. I think about the amount of data Google is sitting on and what they're able to do with that data and then parcel it out and start spinning off different elements of just acting on that data. So for example, at Yext we ran a survey and we found that 25% of people who have searched for healthcare in the last year 25% of those would like to be able to book an appointment with their doctor on a voice device. Google already has that data. They're not giving us queries. They're not giving us analytics about what people are asking Google Home or Google Assistant on their phones, but they're collecting all of that. And when I was at Google, we would have internal, we would have an internal tool where we could take a look at all of the queries over a certain timeframe. So now I'm assuming that we now can see that if you were at Google, you could start seeing that for voice. So what Google could do is take all of their data and then start to say, well, we're starting to see a spike in urgent care wait times. So what do we need to do to try to figure out how to make urgent care and organizations related to urgent care more useful when somebody's asking a question of Google Assistant or Google Voice or Google Home, trying to get that urgent care information surfaced. What if more and more people and they're starting to see more queries and trends around wanting to book that appointment? I know that they'll probably at some point have some sort of bidding model or cost model associated with how we can have transactions once they become fully HIPAA compliant, how transactions can take place on a Google Home or via Google Assistant. So they already have all of that data collected up and they can start making calls on where they want to start focusing. And I think that 2019 will be the time for them to figure that out. And using Google Duplex, I really feel like connecting the dots there, they already have the data on where they should be focusing on how that organization, how that um, platform can serve as an agent on behalf of the person who's asking those questions. So I, I would put my bet on Google. And then for Amazon, I would say, I think that they're going to do some really interesting things internally that then they'll probably take to the government and then say, hey government, you can improve different elements of healthcare. Maybe we can even improve Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera, through all of the data we've collected through our three very massive companies. But I don't think they're going to do as much in voice and healthcare as Google will, just because Google's sitting on this mountain of data.
1: So that that begs a question, I think that's Probably really interesting to I know to me, but also to the listeners out there. Um, what do you suppose health practitioners themselves, like delivery practitioners, are really looking for voice to do for them? I know we've you've touched on some of it, but could you go a little farther into that? Like, what do, what do they want? The, what, what do they want it to do? Why is it? I mean, I believe in some of this stuff, right? Obviously, I'm an evangelist for it. But um, what are you hearing, or what are your, what are you what are your conversations about as far as the tangibility of this interface and this change.
2: That's a great question. I actually don't know much about the practitioners themselves because I think that they're they're working at the mercy of the machines that they have and their level of comfort with voice. So, I feel like the, the practitioners depending on their age, if they're probably let's say 25, you know, in medical school all the way through maybe 40, I think they're fully, like they understand the value of voice and they probably could get very used to voice in the exam room or voice in some sort of clinical setting. But I think once you hit over 40, you start to get into lack of technological adoption. And I don't know if they're necessarily really into either the adoption or interested in adopting a new technology, even if it could make their lives easier. What I see on the other side, on the business side, is that the systems, especially the healthcare systems themselves, are thinking about the patient and how the patient could be using voice to either discover or to be more or less utilizing a voice device for something. So I either need to practice something, I need to do some sort of exercise, I need to activate a skill in order to continue further with interacting with a brand. But I think right now, I'm not seeing anything that's really consistent. And especially on the practitioner side, I think there's a lot of confusion There's actually too much technology on the practitioner side. Technology, I don't know if you read the latest Atul Gawande piece in The New Yorker, but technology is really slowing down clinical practice. And so the thought of adopting another piece of technology, I think, might be a little daunting for the practitioner.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, The integration of the technology, is that one of the barriers identified as slowing things down, do you think?
2: integration. I'm not sure if it's that or if it's just use. And I think pieces of it, I mean, having to use Epic, for example, Epic is so, I mean, just, just, I I don't know if you've been to the doctor lately and my husband is a doctor and what he talks about just in how he has to examine a patient in the exam room and he's sitting in front of a screen and he's typing as the patient is telling, there's no face-to-face anymore. It's all about needing to get the notes in. And at his hospital, if he doesn't have the notes in within 24 hours of seeing the patient, he gets penalized. So he is beholden to technology. And so it's, it's, it's more the usage and not as much as the integration. It's just trying to figure out what's that nice fine balance of Technology of clinical care, and then can we add on something that might actually give the better opportunity to be face to face with a patient and not have to type? I think voice could be really useful there. It's just then how do we get the clinicians to adopt that
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Uh, I think you know one of the visions I've had along this, the, the, along the spectrum here, as well as some other companies you know out there building these kinds of tools, is hopefully a return for the physician and the patient of this hands-on like mm-hmm. fully <clears throat> aware and connected meeting where the voice interface can transcribe and fill in the blanks of the EMR without interrupting the visit itself. Yes. It seems to me, and I think a lot of other people describe this, that's essential to proper healing and care.
2: Yes. I would imagine that is definitely the case.
0: <clears throat> um gary uh, before we let you go we appreciate you giving us this much of your time um i was just looking to see um what has made news news for yext over the last uh week or two and what i saw was An interesting report about your stock price, (laughs) how, uh, and I guess all of y'all follow that closely, Uh, you you beat expectations, you, you, you have rising revenue, and you took a stock hit. Well, what was that about? (laughs) how does that work
2: yeah being a public company i'm actually not sure how much i'm allowed to say about that or what i'm allowed to talk about with respect to that so i don't know
0: okay all right yeah we can uh we'll edit this out okay (laughs) we'll edit this right on out but i I was just curious i just uh just happened to see that
1: yeah Uh, uh, (laughs) you know one thing that i think would be uh interesting to hear from you carrie is where does Yext want to go? Like, what is is the goals and vision of Yext as far as their partnership in healthcare over the next several years?
2: I love that question. Where we would love to go is to enable organizations, especially in healthcare, to ensure that they have perfect information everywhere. And what we're doing now with our platform, and as we're evolving the platform, that we're enabling organizations to pull data together, but now we are getting the data structured in a way where we're building relationships, so that no matter what question, a person, a patient, a consumer, a buyer, whatever, what question that individual asks, we can get the perfect answer back to them. So what I've seen over the course of over 12 years or so, when I think about healthcare and the patient journey, the questions that people are asking specific to healthcare, and this is, not, this is not just solely focused on healthcare, but I'll talk about healthcare. The questions people are asking are becoming more and more complex. But the way that we're able to, prior to Yext, the way that we're able to surface answers to people, we haven't been able to generally get that data and match the complexity. So if you're looking for a doctor, a cardiologist near me, who treats mitral valve repair, who accepts blue cross blue shield, and is rated four stars, you may not be able to surface up that right doctor for that right query, that very complex query. People used to search for just doctor near me or cardiologist near me. So where we're going as a company is we're able to have that cardiologist in our platform, have his location in the platform, have his ratings and reviews and things like that in the platform, have the insurance in the platform, and then start to map all of those different entities together so that when somebody asks that question, that particular doctor gets served to that patient. And if that patient is asking that question on Alexa, it should be the same response, like that same doctor should surface on Alexa. Or if that patient is asking on a mobile device, it should surface that same doctor on the mobile device. And if somebody is going to the healthcare organization's website and is on a find a doctor, it should be the exact same doctor. So no matter where a patient could be or in other verticals where a consumer or a buyer or an individual is asking whatever is being asked, it's consistent on all of these different places. So we have this vision of ensuring that this perfect information is really indeed connected and surfaced and really is answering the right question for that that person.
0: Carrie, thank you very, very much for joining us, sharing some of your time, sharing your vast expertise with us. It's greatly appreciated.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you, Carrie, but yes, thank you so much for being a part of Today, and we look forward to seeing you at our future conferences and just around the country doing your great work.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: For the Voice of Healthcare, episode 17, thank you for listening, and until next time.